Psalm 27, King James Bible Version. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing, praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also on me, and answer me. When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Welcome to the Psalms with me, James Dellingpole. And I know I always say I'm excited about my special Psalms guests, but I really am. Welcome to the Psalms. Graham Shearer. Graham, we've we've almost never met. We we, we did a, a sound test and that's that was it. And I don't like to um, do too much research on my guests. I want to find out in conversation who they are and where they're coming from. Um, you've gamely agreed to talk about Psalm twenty seven, which is, I think you'll agree, one of the one of the classics. Uh, I think it was it was the second Psalm I learned. I think after Psalm 23. I, mean, I, th I think it's a key part of one's repertoire if one's going to learn the Psalms. But tell me about yourself first. Uh, I uh, recently finished a PhD in theology um, and I'm now very, very blessed, very fortunate to be lecturing um, in theology and literally in the last few days. Um, before I'm from London, but I live in Belfast in Northern Ireland okay. and married with three children. Um, uh, yeah, my first degree was in history, um, about nearly ooh, 20 years ago now. So uh, have that kind of background, um, modern, does, name, modern politics. But Does that mean that you um, came to Christianity later in life? No, I was brought up in a Christian home. I mm. would have said I became a Christian um, at about the age of 14 um, through, uh, I basically had never, you know, I'd never read the gospels for myself. Um, 
as a kind of just as a text as a story you know i knew all the stories i knew oh the good samaritan and um david and goliath or um and but never had kind of read it consecutively and one night just literally didn't have anything to read and so picked out my the bible that i had to have for re at school and started reading matthew's gospel and it all kind of all the stuff that i'd imbibed every week at church just suddenly kind of came alive and clicked into place and i suppose really realized that it was about forgiveness rather than you know just exhorting me to be a better person and live a better life which i knew i couldn't do i was suddenly realized oh hang on a second no god god's taken that into account and has um uh offered me jesus yeah yeah although i would say that the forgiveness hard part is about the hardest part of being a christian forgiving other people yeah yes yes absolutely um yeah and and realizing that you can only do that because you 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 know you have to realize how much you've been forgiven in order to to bring yourself to do that yeah yeah so uh, the psalms um you're presumably familiar with the psalter yeah i i would actually say it's been interesting um over the last few years, like literally the last sort of two or three years since kind of the whole the whole world went crazy, I found that the Psalms have been much more of a part of my kind of devotional life, as it were. Um, yep. You know, that sort of, I think that, that the, the kind of raw existential quality that they have about them, that you, you're, you know, you're, Whereas you you know you can read a, a, a story in 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 you know in about da- King David or you can about about Jesus or the Apostle Paul, but the Psalms really bring you you know you, you have to think well actually do I want to say this do I do I believe this I mean Psalm twenty seven being an example you know it starts with this kind of big affirmation of fearlessness and you think oh hang on, but hang on a second hmm, I I often feel afraid and I I'm often uh, quite fearful so it challenges your your sort of soul in a in a more direct way i think sometimes than than other parts of the scriptures it's interesting you say that i think that the in my experience i'm not an expert but in my experience the psalms are a form of they're like a mantra a form of affirmation so if you repeat every day as I do the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid it it sort of imprints in you this uh, uh, reinforces the, the sense that God is there for you and he is protecting you and I think the more you say it the more you 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 feel it so the Psalms become part of your life i i mentioned before we started that that um psalm 27 is the motto of my university dominus illuminatio mea which i i i did when i was when i was at university it didn't even occur to me that 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 it was even a psalm i just thought it was some Mm. some latin quote um i don't know whether there's anything sinister in that word illuminati oh (laughs) (laughs) i know it means just just you know God is my light. God illuminates me. Um, but yeah, I, 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 there's 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 one other thing I wanted to mention. I don't know whether you saw it. You probably I, I hope you didn't. 
There was a series on Netflix called Midnight Mass. Did you see it? No, no. So it started off very interesting um, in that it's about a priest who comes to this parish, a remote parish on an island, I think probably somewhere um, on the east coast of America. And he revives the dwindling faith of, of this of this sort of fishing community and and miracles start happening and there is a key scene where there's a, it's an extended church service and you go through psalm 27 he, he, he quotes quite a lot of it and i was thinking this is great this is showing the power of christianity that it's not just a kind of touchy-feely kumbaya thing which is which mm -hmm. is one of the things i loathe about what's happened to christianity the way it's been sort of turned into this weak as milk thing you know people are people are very good about sort of you know uh, it, it's what somebody described as jesus jesus is my girlfriend kind of kind of mm. christianity mm -hmm. and and what this series did or seemed to do was to be showing that Christianity is much more than that. This supernatural stuff, which has been pretty much written out of Christianity in the last hundred years, is the essence of it. It, mm. it is powerful. Anyway, it, it, it loses its way because it turns out that this this um, <laughs> it turns out that the um that what the priest thinks is an angel that has come come that he's released from from a, a cave in the Middle East is actually a vampire, and then it turns into a bog standard. Spoiler alert! Sorry, I've, yeah. I've now ruined it, but. Well, yeah, 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 but but there is there is that line. So I'll, I'll let you speak in a moment. There is there is that that line in the psalm, which I I, I love and 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 at the same time freaks freaks me out. Um, where 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 they came upon me to eat up my flesh. Um, it's it's what I call the zombie apocalypse moment in the in the yes. psalm. You you texted me that verse when I suggested Psalm twenty seven. You texted me that verse, and the trans the more modern translation that I am used to doesn't have that that uh, idiom. It, it it says something like to devour me or something like that. But it is the it is in the original, um, and um, it's actually I actually think it 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 sheds a lot of light on how how the psalmist should be understood, or at least one perspective on whatever. Should be understood, but maybe maybe we could come back to that at the end because I think it's yes. best um, dealt with once we've we've kind of worked through it all. But uh, I give the, I give the floor to you, Graham. You take me through it. Right. Well, so uh, you know, obviously there are all sorts of any um, text in scripture is. I mean, any text. You 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 know, obviously your your background is, is English literature. You know, has a, has a kind of. Um, a plenitude of meaning you know we could we could look at it from all sorts of different angles so i i this is just this is just kind of how i you know how i've worked through it um and it starts with psalm 27 starts with um this you know bold kind of affirmation of fearlessness you know the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear um and then chat verses two and three you have these kind of um you know massive statements of even if this happens you know when the wicked come 
to eat me up, you know, as I say, they will be the ones who will stumble and fall, or they, they stumble and fall, you know, even when a, an army should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Um, and, and you know, you sort of think, oh, right, okay, that, you know, David sounds, you know, a bit kind of... Um, a bit glib, decent, bit glib. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, th I think, I think someone certainly, given our context that you were saying about the way Christianity has been sort of presented, might sort of think, oh, this is this is the sort of these are the words of the comfortable, you know, um, and the complacent. And I think it's first of all, it's important to remember David is a man who, for, who, who couldn't be glib about these things. You know, David was um, someone who's who you know, faced armies against him. He did, these were real experiences for him. His reign was one that started in civil war, ended in civil war. His one son killed another son, then tried to usurp him. Then another son tries to usurp his, the, his chosen, you know, it's just bloodshed conflict the whole time. You, you know, there's a tradition that Psalm 27 is, is, um, something he said maybe before he was anointed before he was um uh made king so um maybe this is to do with Saul and and him kind of chasing David around the 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 um uh, the kind of deserts of of um of Israel that kind of time um but but whatever all through his life he had enemies he had genuinely people who were out to to physically kill him so so just to pause there th this is one of the psalms of David he definitely wrote this psalm did he well, we it, it the psalm begins um, the the Hebrew the he, the Hebrew, which I, my pronunciation will not be very good, but is um, Le David, and and that that um, kind of uh, prefix Le is translated can be translated of. So I, I would say for me that points towards a Davidic authorship, but there is. You know, one might debate kind of exactly what that text is trying to say, but I think it's Davidic. It's, it's certainly marked out as a psalm that has a particular reference to David, rather than say Asaph or some of the other the other authors that we're we're given in the uh, given in the Psalter. Um, so you have this kind of this confident affirmation of fearlessness, um, and it's you know it's the Lord is my life is my salvation. But I guess the question is why does um you know belief in god why does god make david fearless in a way that you know for many of us we've believed in god for a long time we've we've had you know and yet we've had times of great anxiety great fear fearfulness you know it doesn't seem that belief in god is just a kind of automatic antidote to fear um and it I, just to sort of put the the idea in context for a moment i mean i think it's interesting, isn't it, how fear is so, um, you know, such a feature of human society, uh, particularly at the moment. We, we've seen the way fear has been used. Um, you know, there's kind of official fears that you're you're kind of things you're allowed to be afraid of, you know, like viruses or climate change or, you know, Putin. Nuclear, nuclear war. Yeah. Putin. Um, yeah. But then I think there's also there's the kind of the dissident fears, there's the fears of those who who don't buy into those narratives, the fears of you know CBDCs and um, you know digital digital kind of grit, you know prison camps and and all these kind of things, and and you know I think basically you have a society at the moment where 
anxiety is 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 rife you know so 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 to be able to say i'm i'm just not afraid whom should i fear you know of what who what should i be afraid of is is a hugely um bold statement you know existentially to be, to be able to live without fear is a massive thing it's not just like oh well that's nice for kind of weird religious people this is this is something that i think all all sections of society live with fear in some way or another whether those fears are justified whether they're unjustified we will and and i think you know you know rates of anxiety seem to be going up the, the way that society has become much more atomized much more unstable we don't live in kind of extended families where we have a sense of ourselves all of that contributes to a sense of of well you know what's the future going to bring what's life going to be like and and so we have this kind of um anxiety and yet here we have in the psalms a sort of you know bold affirmation of, of fearlessness so so how, why why is david sort of able to say this um and i think the psalm leads us to to verse four uh verses four to six as the kind of the, the 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 foundation the reason why verses one to three are true of david why can david say this we can say it because he says one thing have i desired of the lord that i will seek after that i may dwell in the house of the lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the lord and to inquire in his temple and it you know the way i read this verse th these are this is the explanation verses four to six of the kind of explanation for the fearlessness of david in in one to three um and it seems that really what david is what gives david his kind of fearlessness what gives david his confidence is that he is a, a man of of one desire you know that he he in the end seeks after one thing um and that is he says to dwell in the house of the lord so that i can behold the beauty of the lord the gaze upon the lord hmm. um and you know again that is something that i think doesn't necessarily you know, probably won't resonate with lots of lots of contemporary people you know to to think of wanting to behold god as something that is beautiful as someone as, mm. as someone who is beautiful you know whatever we think about god generally speaking kind of beauty extreme beauty is not is not a category we tend to um uh you know t tend to ascribe to god we might think about him as a kind of ruler as a as a kind of governor whatever whatever kind of ideas come into play but but for david it's it's the beauty of the lord that's kind of central to his understanding you, you, but that, you... that's that's interesting to hear you say that, Graham. Because I've, I think maybe I've been I've been um, dwelling with the Psalms for too long. Because to me, it just seems like, duh, that is the deal. <laughs> that 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 when you when you read the Psalms every day, as of course monks would have done, mm. medieval monks would have done. They 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 work their way through the Psalter and they learned it by heart as part of the you know what. The first thing you did as a novice monk was to to, to learn the Psalter, and you know I I I think of 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 Psalm one. It, it it sort of sets out sets out the terms of engagement. This is the deal. You 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 mm. think about uh, you know blessed is the man that hath not walked in the counsel of the ungodly nor stood in the way of sinners, and hath not sat in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law will he exercise himself day and night. 
I suppose what I'm asking you, if you're not doing that as a Christian, you're surely doing it wrong. That yeah. we spend our, our days, I, I spend a lot of my day thinking about God and thinking about, you know, um, doing what he wants me to do and trying to work out what it is that he wants me to do. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm sort of slightly concerned that you think that that is not a... Well, I suppose, I suppose it's something, I think, obviously, within secular society, within, yeah. within, within a kind of the unbelieving world, yeah. God is either often either a kind of irrelevance or a, a kind of hostile, you know, it's sort of North Korea in the sky, as, as Christopher Hitchens used to talk about. Yes. For a lot of Christians, while, um, you know, ultimately, you know, they, they, they want to be with God and they, 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 you know, they, they love God for what he's done. Often he's, I think, kind of, rep, you know, he's, he's, we, we represent God to ourselves as someone who is kind of, you know, a sort of maybe a sort of strict disciplinarian, you know, just kind of all yeah. kind of a moral kind of personal trainer um, or, um, uh, or, or we sort of, we, we focus on what God has done for us, you know, which mm. is, which obviously, you know, given us Jesus saved us from our sins and so on, given us eternal life. But, but God in himself, God, God, you know, God just sort of in his, in his being, Mm -hmm. maybe we don't think about so much i think certainly from my background my sort of from an evangelical background that's often you know it's it's sort of what what has god done and then what do we need to do kind of in response to that and the the reflection on god's eternal identity and eternal being is yeah. something that's less um instinctive uh now i think philosophically there's also been moves in the last few hundred years that have made that kind of idea less kind of we're less confident that actually that's possible to do than maybe we once were that's interesting i, I was going to say do you think maybe that's the, because i in my since becoming a christian i've been acutely aware of the differences between the different factions of christianity it's like mm. the devil's just got gone in there and go yeah let me stir it up a bit. Let's let let's let's have these these disagreements. Let's get people burned at the stake. For I mean, can you imagine how Jesus would have felt about that? That, that people would be arguing uh, about the <laughs> putting people to death for 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 for, for things that I, I imagine Jesus would would have considered to be kind of irrelevant. Well, I mean, it's, I suppose it's going to vary on a case by case basis, but uh, as soon as it, what's, I mean, you know, there's certainly, I think there are things that, that, that are issues of truth that are really, really significant and, you know, upon which eternal destiny hangs. But I certainly think that a lot of contemporary divisions in the church are, um, you know, are, are lamentable, certainly. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I think that we want to, we want to, you know, navigate between a kind of indifference to just kind of any any claims of truth and you can say what you like and, and that's fine uh versus a sort of you, you know i'm i'm ready to go to war on you know every jot and tittle and jesus speaks about the the kind of uh what what's the phrase you know the, the kind of profound things of the law and the, and the minor things and i think we you know often we haven't discerned the difference between the two 
When do you think, um, I, I mean, I, I like the line, you know, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. When do you think we we lost the ability to do that culturally? Because, I mean, you look at you look at the you look at the medieval cathedrals. They mm. are they celebrate the beauty of the law. I yeah. look at I look at Coventry Cathedral, the, the, the new and it's it, mm. it's it's quintessentially satanic. It's not about beauty. It's it's I, I think Basil Basil Spence, the guy who got given the commission, was working for the other side. Um, and, and, and I get, it gives me the creeps going into that place. It's horrible. Don't, don't. It's like, it's like going into a satanic mass. It really, it's just monstrous. Um, but, but so, so at some stage we lost our sense of, of the beauty of the Lord and, and, and and I think, I think we lost a sense of nature as being able to transmit that that beauty to us you know and and you know some people would put that at kind of Descartes some people put it further back in kind of medieval moves in kind of medieval philosophy I think you know these things are rarely kind of it's rarely just sort of one particular move but gradually you know as we've gone on I think we've kind of become um hemmed in so that nature now is no longer a kind of, you know, a kind of mirror in which to behold behold the Lord's beauty. It doesn't it doesn't tell us anything about about its maker. It's just a sort of a whirring machine that goes on. That you know, and our minds may or may not correspond with that reality. Our minds may not may or may not give us access to what what is really there. It's just you know this is whatever happens to kind of. Fl- skitter about between our ears um well, yeah it, it's almost isn't it isn't it that the, the sort of the modern understanding of nature since maybe since the 1950s it's almost in opposition to to god and christianity it's become this alternative religion gaia gaia worship it's not it the, it's it's as though it's as though when we look now at at, at, at um uh beautiful landscapes and animals and stuff we're invited to feel guilty about it uh we're invited to feel as though um we're not we're not better we that the, 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 it wasn't created for us for our for our pleasure it's something that we've just through our selfishness and greed and refusal to amend our, our carbon guzzling lifestyles uh we are we are destroying which again is in, in in opposition to what the Psalms tell us. You know, Psalm eight makes it clear that that God has given us dominion over over this this world, and it, it, obviously we we have a sort of a, a, the duties of stewardship as, as as a sort of modern translation has it. But nevertheless, we are that we are the top dogs because we're made in God's image. Whereas now, it's not. We we we. You, you, when you look at the David Attenborough doc- documentary and look at all those that wonderful wildlife photography and stuff, it, it, we're not we're not encouraged to marvel at God's creation, are we? No, no. and and it's I, I mean I think you know probably it, I mean I think it goes back further than the fifties, as I'm sure sure you would you would agree. You know, there's that there's the sort of view of nature as a kind of great mechanism that that just sort of obeys these laws, and you know you get kind of deism in the late 18th century where god is the kind of the 
the kind of the watchmaker who who sets it all up and then lets it all run um and then eventually you know you have no watchmaker at all you know you have the blind watchmaker in, in Dawkins. Dawkins, uh view so yeah i mean i think i think on one hand you have to um on one hand you have this paradox don't you on one hand you have human beings are kind of um capable of solving all the world's problems and if only we could kind of get enough minds together in a particular city we'd all come they, they'd all come up with the perfect technological solution to it all yeah it's but called the tower other, of babel yeah exactly you've got that but on the other hand you have yeah you know we're we're just we're just you know one particular set of organism and there's no you know i mean this peter singer isn't it the kind of speciesism you know why is it that a baby chimp is more valuable or less valuable than a baby human yes. being? you know all that kind of thing we we share 95 percent of our dna with a worm so shouldn't they get priority over us on on this sort of thing and i think and bananas and, and bananas, <laughs> we, yeah. we share a lot of our dna with a banana apparently as well so maybe we should stop eating bananas and and, and it's all you know it's interesting i suppose you know Beauty, beauty itself is kind of foreign to this, the, the notion of beauty itself, because, you know, what is beauty? I mean, I don't, you may have a better definition than I do, but I would have said it's something that you, um, you, you appreciate for itself rather than for its utility. So beauty is not something yeah. that you kind of, oh, I love this painting because, uh, you know, it increases the value of the room. Well, yeah. You, that's not you don't really find the painting beautiful yeah. um if you if you if that's why you bought it beauty is something you just you're just drawn to for itself and i think increasingly that kind of mechanized view of the world everything is explained in terms of its utility you know why yeah. do you, you know everything is is justified on utilitarian grounds and of course you, you and and that kind of technocratic managerial way of looking at the world it's all a metric so, so nothing nothing can justify itself simply for itself you know i just do this for its own sake and so of course then we don't we don't have a a, a vision of 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 eternal ultimate infinite beauty but we're all you know we all have that longing somewhere for for beauty somewhere you know we we live in this world of of means you know everything's a means to an end i'm doing i'm studying you know i'm studying not for the sake of knowledge and truth but because it'll get me a better job and i do the job because yeah. it'll get me a better house and i do that i live in the house because well you know it's a good investment and i can yeah, yeah. and you know and and we can never we never are able to articulate well what is the end of it all what's the purpose of it all um and i think it's because really modern contemporary life or however we've got here we just can't answer that question we just don't have an end we don't have a a purpose for what we're what we're doing and it it you know you, you see it in 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 politics you see it in in culture why do human beings exist what are we for what do we what you know what is the thing we should be seeking after i i i'm not a, i just think you know I mean, I think secular society has kind of given up asking that question, even. Yeah. Because it, it's because as soon as you answer that, ask that question, so much of what we 
we kind of how we operate is revealed to be futile is revealed to be meaningless um and and the kind of infinite technocratic kind of managerialness why is it there what what purpose does it serve yeah yeah no thank you for encouraging me to dwell on that line to to behold the beauty of the lord and inquire in his temple you're 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 absolutely right it's um i I, I mean i i see beauty as an expression of the divine I, I i bore on about this that 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 god is love god is beauty and god is truth and we know those things instinctively we have this this direction finder yeah which naturally st- and, and, and obviously there are snares that are put in our path to take away from this but we know what the good stuff is yeah we do well we we, we want we want you know we want happiness don't we we want to be happy and that's um you know, Christian theology down the ages has affirmed that, you know, happiness, human, human, that the end of humanity is to, is to, you know, find ultimate goodness, ultimate beauty. Um, and, and, and that is what human, no, nothing else is able to satisfy us other than that. And, um, I think if, you know, one thing I thought was helpful to touch on is, you know, just why is God, the one thing worth finding you know, how do we, how do we articulate what it is about god that makes him unique in that sense and um augustine in his in his sermons on this passage has a you know has has a kind of a, a, a bit of a mental exercise to help us kind of get our heads around this so he sort of says you know when you um when you talk about like a good field or a good house or a, a good person you've you've kind of added something to that field or that house or that person it's not it's not intrinsic to being a field that it be a good field there's something that's there's something that that field has about itself which makes it good you know it's it's very fertile it's good for you know running through as a young child if you're Theresa May or or something like that you know there's something about it that's, that's positive and that's good but it's not but it but it's as I said fields themselves are not intrinsically good you can have bad fields you can have bad houses you know, bad people. And so, so what Augustine is saying that there's something, there's something kind of, um, that, that those things on one hand, there's a real property. It's not, not that goodness is just kind of a, a, a you know, a nothingness. It's, it, it, there is something real. We're saying something true about when we identify something as good, but it's not found in those things, which we, which we actually experience goodness through. We experience goodness through people and places and, and so on. And so therefore there must be something that is kind of good in itself, that is just goodness itself, that is that is the thing that all those other things kind of participate in and have a share and have a kind of a share of. Um I've got a little he he says um there is a simple good, sheer goodness itself, in which in virtue of which all things are good, the good itself from which all good things derive their goodness. And and that goodness is god god does not take his goodness from anything else god simply is goodness itself god is 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 beauty itself he is the one who has who we enjoy not because it kind of leads us on to a great anything greater anything beyond himself he he is where all our our longings and our and our our kind of desires terminate because he is he is the very thing itself that all those other things have been kind of leading us on um towards and i think if we 
I find that helpful to me to think God is not just some other object in the universe. You know, oh, some people love their families. Some people love their, you know, love their cars. I love God, you know, and it's just sort of all on a, on a par. God, there's, some, there's something transcendent about God that makes him uniquely suitable as the object of our desires. Does that? Does that... Yes, it does. Do you think a car can be good? I mean, do you think, do you think that, I, I look at an E-type e Jaguar, for example, uh, it is a thing of beauty. Yeah, well, I mean, Augustine would say, and this actually, I, I thought this would be an interesting kind of angle to go, and Augustine, and, and again, this is, this is sort of bog standard Christian kind of philosophy, Christian theology through the ages, that in the end, um, being and goodness are, um, are convertible would be not not convertible in the sense of an e-type jack but 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 able to be able to be um that being itself is good that simply to exist is good and the the, the reason for that is to, to to say um god is the creator of all things god is the source of all things god himself is goodness itself good is infinitely good um and therefore existence itself is is good um that there is in the end there is something it is better for everything to exist than not to exist now of course that raises the question of of kind of evil and, and yes and, um and of course you know what what augustine would say and again this is sort of mainstream christian theology would say that when you see something that's evil you're not seeing um something you're not seeing a kind of a separate uh opposite entity you know kind of goodness and evil kind of thing you're seeing a um a, a kind of a falling away from the good so you're see, so it's like a, a kind of um oh, it's a, a glib example but it's a bit like a, a hole in a sock so the hole has a you know you can point out oh, there's a hole in the sock but really what the hole is is a is an absence of sock you know and the hole depends upon the rest of the sock for its existence if you've no sock you've no you've no hole um and so what that said now you know we you'd want to pass that through I you know i'm sure there's a there's obviously a much longer conversation about all of that but the point of the whole the thrust of it all is to say that and i think this is what you were getting at with with some of the stuff about about kind of um the way environmentalism has gone is that actually existence itself is good and I think a lot of our contemporary society has a sort of a huge crisis of confidence about that, that actually it would be better if fewer human beings were. Yeah, it would be we weren't, here. weren't here. And, you know, so much of the kind of contemporary thrust of, of deconstruction, you know, you'll be very familiar with that in, in literature, you know, the yeah. way, you know, you're just, you're always decon deconstructing, there's there's never anything real to put your 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 kind of finger on it's all differenced all the way down you know it's all just kind of misunderstanding all the way down it's just text just text, it's... just 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 kind of flim flam um and and i think that comes from a um a, a conviction or, or at least a doubt that existence itself is good that that the that, that, that reality underneath it all is good and Whereas what Christianity says and, and what, you know, what David is, fine, is is kind of experiencing here is to say, actually, fundamental reality, the one that stands behind it all, is not just, it's not just 
kind of slightly good or better than better than you know on the whole it's good that it's yeah. there it's actually sheer goodness itself um and so you know you, the, the that just gives a kind of confidence to existence let alone anything else which, which, um, I don't want to dwell on this for too long because it's a sure. it, it's a distraction. But um, presumably, this is why Christianity puts a high premium on on life, and is why suicides are not buried in consecrated ground because yeah. it's an affront to God's desire for us. You know, he's blessed us with life; it's a gift. Therefore, yeah. we should celebrate it. Well, I mean, G.K. Chesterton has the line about, you know, um, oh, you know, I'll butcher this now, but you know, that 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 committing suicide, the murderer just commits kills one man, whereas the sui the suicide kills the whole world. You know, that the, the what the what the what suicide is doing is saying actually, I would rather the existence didn't. I'd rather not partake in existence itself. Okay. And it's it's a it's a kind of um, uh, an, an expression of despair, you know. And of course, okay. just, yeah. Can I ask you a difficult question though? I get I get all that. Go suppose um, suppose you're a good Christian, and tomorrow you are going to be fed by the evil people to the lions or or burnt at the stake. Mm. And you really don't want to go through that. Yeah. Would it be legitimate to kill yourself? Well, it's interesting. Augustine, in the first book of City of God, he's writing about the sack of Rome. And in the sack of Rome, a lot of Christians were um, had all sorts of terrible things done to them, particularly, uh, you know, women w were violated by by the the um, uh, the tribesmen that, that came into Rome. And he has a long sort of discussion on why suicide is not a, a good option, and and you know it really does rest upon this this idea that um, you know because of the existence of God, because of the the fundamental reality of God, that despair is never um, is never fully justified. You know, without needing to, without being you know, glib about our um or, or trite about about kind of particular circumstances and, and 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 what people are facing. There is always the thought that the one who is in control has put me in this situation. And 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 there is something about this this reality which the terrible though it is, um I can endure through to through to the end. Um and and you know um, suicide is 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 you know I, I'm you know I'm not some I'm I'm not being I don't, I don't want to obviously come um, suggest that there's any you know that obviously people who are in this situation are, are in you know really difficult circumstances and and there are all sorts of you, you know despair is a terrible a terrible thing and it's something I've you know I've wrestled with that myself um, but you know, what the Psalms are saying and what the Bible is saying is, is that even in those darkest, even in those darkest moments, you know, the Lord is, is your light and your salvation, that there is something worth clinging on for to endure. Um, and of course, that's what the martyrs faced in, in 
you know, um, in the early centuries of the church was that they they had these terrible things done. So, I mean, some of the things the Romans came up with to, to uh, do violence to people are quite quite extraordinary. And more recently, the the communists in 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 Russia. Oh yeah, some of the things that happened under under Lenin and, and, and Stalin. Martyrdom in in all ages has been expression of of hope, an expression of fearlessness in the face of um these these extraordinary uh extraordinary violence extraordinary despair and and of course i think that just just mentioning that shows us that really for this psalm to be understood it's not it's not david saying oh well you know i'll kind of always escape by the skin of skin of my teeth you know the fearlessness has to be fearlessness that that endures even when you know your flesh is torn apart your flesh is ripped open you know you do have to 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 endure physical the kind of the last gasp of physical endurance in in into death there's something about being able to dwell upon seeing the beauty of the lord which is secure even in those circumstances okay so so we're only taking it kind of uh, when he says in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me so it's the, <laughs> he's not really going to be hiding you in his place you know you, they may still get you well i i suppose you know there's two two answers two aspects of that i think first of all um you know want to say that the, the goods of the goods of the soul um you know outrank as it were goods of the body so i think you know right we all we all the person who who you know will tell a lie you know who 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 will tell a lie rather than you know lose their job or 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 whatever yeah. you know the person who can be bought in that way the person who who puts you know a bit of extra cash ahead of their integrity we all naturally think now that's not the way human beings should be immaterial goods are higher and greater than than any material good ultimately yeah. um and then the other thing is, of course, that, you know, as we as we we read this psalm in the light of, of the, all of the, uh, all of the scriptures, that in the end, you know, human beings are body, soul composites. We're made to be, you know, our bodies are not just kind of optional extras. And so, yes, things that involve the loss of physical life, the loss of physical health and comfort are, are dreadful things. They are evil things but in the end the lord is able to redeem both the body and the soul that in the end we don't have to choose uh between the two um you know and um that's you know jesus says you know what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but it costs it but he forfeits his soul yeah. you know the reason for that is not because oh well your body your body doesn't matter who who cares kind of thing it's because Jesus can give you back your body. You know, Jesus can give your soul. Uh, you can will reunite your soul and your body in the resurrection, in the in the world to come. Um, but if you if you seek to to preserve your body at the kind of expense of your soul, you forfeit your soul. You you rank those physical things higher than those immaterial things. Then in the end, you lose both. You lose your yeah. both your soul and and, uh, and and your your physical health as well, your physical life as well. So the psalm starts off very bullishly, but as so often in the in the psalms, there is a sudden 
change of of, of tone. Um, I mean, we we get to the bit where and 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 where he gets set up upon a rock and 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 um, but then just a little bit later in the psalm, he starts having his doubts, doesn't he? His sort of his sense of yeah. I I think that's a really interesting transition. So so he you know he he's basically saying that these armies can these armies can do what they like to me. I behold the Lord. The Lord is the what I what I seek after. If I have Him, you know these armies can't take Him away from me. So so mm. that's you know I'm safe and secure. And yeah. we all know that that you know if your if your treasure is is something that's that's kind of you know Jesus talks about this that wrath uh, and moth and rust destroy yeah. and thieves break in and steal. You know you're always living in fear. So you know he he sets that up. But then in verse um, uh, seven, you get this shift, and and the the psalm shifts from kind of the third person. You know, the Lord's going to do this, and the Lord's going to do that to the to the second person. He, he starts addressing the Lord directly, and I think basically it, it what happens is is he realizes okay, the place that the place of safety and the, is the place of beauty. Well, hang on a second, I might not you know, I might, might not deserve to, to go there. I, I might get shut out of that. I, I, you know, I can't say it for granted that the Lord will, will kind of let me in that his fear shifts from the external, you know, the external armies, the enemies and so on to, to, well, well, hang on a second. What does the Lord, this infinitely beautiful Lord, what does he think about me? What does he think? It, it becomes a, his, his fear becomes the fear of his soul, in in relation to a holy god into relation to a to a, a, a beautiful god um and so you have these you, you know these um uh these kind of petitions you know be gracious to me and answer me don't um don't hide your face from me uh, d don't forsake me and and that shifts to the kind of the priority of 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 his uh of his concern is to say well actually i need to i need my relationship with the lord to be to to be strong rather than what these enemies might do to me yes um leave me not neither forsake me O god of my salvation it's it's a it's a complete change of of, of tone he's he started off really confident yeah this is the deal and it's going to be great and then suddenly it's like well hang on uh i'm i'm feeling a bit a bit shaky here mm. uh, and, and why not they face far from me put not their servant away in anger yeah He's sort of pleading yeah exactly and i think you know certainly we're being taught here that that you know when you when you realize that god is this this infinite beauty infinite being infinite goodness mm. you, you you can't just kind of stride in and and sort of say oh well you know i'm glad i finally some found found someone i can i can get sorted on. result some, i'm way. bulletproof and i think verse 10 you know um is is really where this kind of reaches its its kind of psychological kind of depth where you have um you know where when when my father and mother forsake me then the lord will take me up and and so on one hand yeah he, he he's going through this kind of process of 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 petition and 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 pleading and so on and verse 10 is it strikes me on one hand it's it's a statement of real kind of unworthiness He's he's saying that 
there's something about him that he thinks his his uh his mother and father might even turn away from and i find that very psychologically kind of insightful that you know we all have that sense that you know if our mum and dad if our parents really knew who we were and knew what we were like and what we what we were like on the inside and really to the depths i think we all have a a, a, a something of a fear that that left kind of exposed everyone we who loves us would would turn away from us even even those with whom we have the strongest the strongest bond you know the the, the ones who we we kind of related to at the the earliest stages of our life um and i think david is kind of facing that about himself he's facing the kind of very depths of his own anxiety his own fears you know you know you have those dreams don't you sometimes when you know you're you know no one wants to no one will open the door to you no one will will want to be with you and 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 it's yet it's in that moment in that kind of depth that he affirms the lord will take me up the lord will take yeah. me and doesn't it isn't it sort of echoed in in the gospels where Christ says that if you want to follow me, you've got you've got to be prepared to lose all your friends and all your. Do you yeah. Think, do, do you think? I, I mean, do you think? Do you think that's what Jesus was referencing when 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 he was talking about this? Because he he was he was steeped in the Psalms, wasn't he? I yeah. Mean, when he was steeped yeah. in the Scriptures. His dad wrote them, after all. <laughs> I, mean. I think. I think. Um, yeah. I, I mean that. Um, you know those verses. I think that there is, yeah, that there's the question of where do we find our kind of ultimate security? You know, how do we reassure ourselves about um, who we are? You know, I think we often, we, you know, often, you know, when someone criticizes you or you have a sort of moment of failure or something, you often, you know, you think, well, you know, so-and-so, he likes me. He still, he he still thinks I'm a good she you know my you know and you know often you, you know my, you know my mum still my mum still thinks i'm thinks i'm great kind of thing um and jesus is really saying there look, uh, you know you have to get to a point where i where where the lord is the one who you ultimately root that kind of psychological security you root that that um acceptance in rather than rather than any other human relationship um and so when those two come into conflict which sometimes they you know i'm blessed in the sense my parents are christians and but you know there are people who, who come from backgrounds where following jesus does mean turning away from family turning away from from parents which can be incredibly kind of painful but jesus says that you know fearlessness ultimately can only flow from rooting your acceptance uh, rooting your 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 psychological acceptance in in me and who i am and my acceptance yeah i went riding the other day with this amazing girl who'd um who who came from a muslim background and uh i started chatting as, as you do about god <laughs> and it turned out that she was um she she was a sort of born again christian Wow. And she said she said that um her parents hadn't been particularly enthusiastic about this. Well but, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can imagine so, I mean, 
and in some contexts that lacking enthusiasm would be would be putting it mildly and you know but i think i think what what's extraordinary about verse 10 is that on one hand you have the fear of parental rejection which i think mm. is kind of you know for many of us is the sort of ultimate fear you know that, that something you, you do something you reveal to have, have thought something and your own parents are just like you know i have no son i have no i have no child you're, you're dead to me and yet uh, kind of in the face of that fear you have this this um uh this affirmation the in the lord will take me up the one who is infinite beauty the one who is the source of all things he is the one who will accept me he is the one who the, the verb is um uh it's like to kind of gather you know i think it has the sort of it has the imagery of taking up in in arm in your arms you know like i you know i have a i have a six-year-old you know i i kind of you know i love to kind of you know, wrap my arms around him that's what the lord will do for us that that you know the place where ultimate beauty is to be found is up is also the place where the door is always open the the, the, the acceptance is always there um you know that's what yes fearlessness flows out from i was thinking about what you were saying then um because like you i i'm blessed in my parents they 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 kind of pretty rock solid it seems to me but and and it seems to me that what we've all gone through these last three years, especially those of us who are awake, um, we've been sort of let down. Some people have been let down by their, their husbands or wives. Some people have been let down by their parents. Some people have been let down by, by my friends, by their friends. Uh, and I was thinking, although I've been lucky in, in some areas, there are definitely people that I would have imagined would, be, would have been rock solid. Mm. That I would absolutely well, they still, you know, the, the, to use your phrase, you know, well, so and so still likes me, so and so. Quite a lot of people that I really, really trusted to be stand up, my stand up guys, you know, what 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 Jews Jews would call a mensch, have just quit the field. They've abandoned yeah. the foxhole next to me, and they've 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 scarpered, they've scarpered yeah. to the rear, and it's been quite dispiriting. Mm. I mean, to quote Psalm 100 and, uh, um, 118, uh, uh, um, it is better to trust in the, uh, the um, what, how does it go? Um, uh, it is better to trust in the, in the Lord than put any confidence in man. It yeah. is better to trust in the Lord than put any confidence in princes. That everyone's going to let you down. Well, not everyone. You know, we've, 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 we've each found our exceptions and thank mm. God for that. But you're right that that it does speak to a to a truth that God's your only he's he's the only really reliable one. Yeah, and it's why if you if you live in fear, or rather, if you live kind of if 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 your accept your sort of ultimate self acceptance is built on the acceptance of of another human being, even your mother and father. You will always live in fear because you will always have that thing, thought of, well, but what if my mum and, you know, what if, what if I end up doing something uh, that they, they, they can't accept? I mean, you know, um, I re recently reread uh, 1984 and, you know, 
Orwell has um yes yeah, it's, it's Winston and um what's the girl it's Julia isn't it the girl in 1984 you know in the end they betray they they betray each other you know that the, the Orwell kind of presents you know Winston is in room 101 and the the the, the spoiler alert by the way um the the the, the rats are going to go on his his face and he says no no do it to her do it to her do it to her he wants her to suffer rather than him and it's the last betrayal and it's the last kind of sign that that O'Brien has and, and Big Brother have have kind of have won. And, you know, Orwell, for I, you know, I, I think there's lots of issues with Orwell's presentation. He he understands the fallibility of the human soul. And as you say, you know, anyone can let you down. There's nobody who can say, I will never let you down in any circumstances, whatever, unconditionally, because no one else is, no one is the author of their own circumstances. No one can control, uh, you know, has has ultimate control over things. Whereas the Lord can do that. The Lord can say, I will accept you. I will receive you no matter what. Even when your mother and father forsake you, I will gather you in. He can say that because no, no, force no torture no o'brien no big brother can manipulate him can control him can have power over him we could go off on a whole a whole um sheep farm digression about orwell i don't <laughs> i i don't think he was he i don't think he was as he has been sold to us and i think that the message of that book is essentially a nihilistic one it's 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 predictive programming it's designed to prepare us for for where we are now and not in a good way. It's yeah, designed well, to it, ramp it, up it, despair. It's definitely it's it's definitely nihilistic. I mean, he has no he has no no hope in it whatsoever. I mean, I I think comparing nineteen eighty four to to Lewis's book that hideous strength, which obviously written in the same decade. You know, for all of Lewis's kind of the eccentricities of of Lewis's kind of decisions about the plot and everything. What is unique about Lewis's Bear. book is is that is that there's some sort of positive force that you know there, there's a goodness that Lewis kind of represents in contradistinction to the, the dystopian uh, dystopian kind of picture of nice and the the, the 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 kind of demonically inspired bureaucrats and so on. You know, Lewis has a sense that actually, ultimately, it is the it is the angelic forces from from the the deep heavens that are the ones that win the victory and of course that's exactly what psalm 27 is talking about is that that in the end goodness and beauty are going to be victorious even over our own sense of unworthiness even over our own well not even our own sense of unworthiness even over our unworthiness itself even over the truth about ourselves which is that left to ourselves we would be we would deserve to be put away in anger. We would deserve to be forsaken even by our closest uh, intimates. And yet the Lord's goodness and the Lord's power is able through the Lord Jesus to, to overcome even that. Um, Just as a digression, but, but you, you mentioned that hideous strength. And there's a scene in the book you may remember where what's the the sort of the hero the flawed hero called ransom. oh studded studded or ransom the, the guy the, that's come back from venus is ransom and then the studded who's the kind of sociologist who gets caught up the in guy it. who wants to join the inner circle studded mark studded okay so so mark studded 
um, as, as he's sort of lured into their web of intrigue and, and, and has to make these morally compromising decisions in order to, to advance. And there's, there's, there's one scene where they put him in a room which is where everything is sort of asymmetrical and 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 the paintings are not quite right and stuff and i yeah. think that's lewis telling us that that um we know instinctively it, it's it's a bit like atonal music and all the things and modernist literature and postmodernist literature it's all does it was all, all ultimately a war on beauty a war yeah. on you you look at you look at the works of bach and you look at the symmetry of it yeah. um and 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 then you look at Schoenberg or or whatever or, or or Stravinsky and it's designed to set your teeth on edge. Yes, um, we like we like symmetry. We like the golden mean. We like um, th there is a, there is a natural beauty which we, we we instinctively understand. And Lewis was showing us that 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 this is how modernism and postmodernism work to. Yes, unsettle us and take us away from God. Yes, I mean I think that Lewis is uh, foresight in some of these things. I mean that um, I can't remember the name of that room. I remember, um, I can feel it begins with O. But but yes, there's that that scene is very very powerful and and it's the way it's like he he can't he can't even discern the reason why it's wrong. He can't. It's it's so sort of. You know, he's sort of staring up at the wall, looking at these spots on the wall, trying to find if there's a pattern, and he can't find one. And that, in and of itself, is is disturbing and and subversive. Can I just 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 go and tell the children to go and stop that dog barking and be unhappy? I, I, I think it's wrong that they're doing that. Okay. Ivo, You come in here. You behave yourself. So I don't like the sound of animals in distress. <laughs> Add marker, yeah, I got it. Yeah, all right. 
Um, so, uh, yes, we're talking about the asymmetrical room. Anyway, we, I think we've dealt, we've dealt with what. Yes, that, yes, we? yes, yes, yes. Although it, it, it is, it is Lewis's view. I think at that point in the novel, Studdock has kind of begun to realise, you know, that something's up. And he, he talks about how it's, it's the notion of the good and the straight, which kind of gets him through that room. That is his belief. There is, you know, goodness is not just a kind of a mirage. It's not just a sort of sentimental attachment to arbitrary things. There is a there is a real goodness out there, which is, you know, which is different to all of this kind of weird, off off kilter kind of um, stuff. And I think we're seeing in a society like a, a loss of that conviction, um, which is why we you know, nihilism seems so attractive. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so where are we in the psalm? We've got to, um, when my father and mother forsake me, then they will take me up. Teach me thy way, Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. So that presumably means what? Um, I Well, I think I think verses sort of 11 to, to 14, you sort of, you, you have the coming together of the of the two sort of, um moves of the psalm so on one hand the safety in in the temple the safety in the place of beauty um and then the uh, uh and then the kind of the wrestling over well hang on will i be accepted and after verse 10 and he, he affirms all exceptions he, he he goes um it, it's interesting it, it's very similar to verses one to three but it's now in the second person it's not just i'm not afraid i i'm you know i'm i'm safe whatever happens it's Lord, you know, keep me in a safe place. Teach me your way. Lead me in a plain path. Um, deliver me not. So, so the fearlessness is not just a kind of automatic kind of thing. It's something that comes from the hand of the Lord, as as we're asked, uh, you know, as David relates to the Lord as the one who accepts him, as the one who who receives him. Um, you know, and he he says in verse thirteen, you know. Um, well, you, I think the, the King James says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the, the vision of verse four, the beauty of the Lord, which is what sustains him in this, in this path that he has to, to go down, this, this you know, fearful path, path of enemies and, and so on. Um, and so he then, you, you know, he then um, uh, exhorts the, 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 you know, it, it, then in verse 14, he t- seems to turn to those around him and says, you know, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, wait of the Lord. Um, and I think if we could go back at this stage, just as a sort of round things off mm. um, to, to that that uh, thing about um, when enemies come to eat upon eat up my flesh, yeah. you know, what what's what's happening there? Um the the there's an amazing scene in John 18. I don't know if you um, if, if you're familiar with it, where I, it's one something that kind of passes you by. I only noticed it, you know, I think a couple of years ago. I was looking at John 18. It's the scene where Judas comes with the soldiers to arrest uh, Jesus. Yeah, and. Um, we we know from the, the word John uses to describe the detachment of soldiers. This is this is a big group of soldiers. You know, it's not just kind of two henchmen that Judas brought. They brought like a big crowd of of military men 
to arrest Jesus in this garden, who is unarmed, you know, he's he's not a he's not a, a physical threat. And um uh they they ask, you know, where's Jesus, you know, who's Jesus of Nazareth, who are you? And Jesus says, I am, which in John's gospel is not just a kind of simple kind of identification. It's it's an echo of the divine name in Exodus three. It's an echo of, you know, I am who I am. You know, so that all the phrases in John's gospel, I am the bread of life, I am the the vine, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Before Abraham was, I am. I am is this kind of re recurring motif in John's gospel. And what happens when um, Jesus says, I am, is John tells us that the, the soldiers fall to the ground. And it's an extraordinary moment where just this, this unarmed man with two words flattens a, a bunch of professional Roman soldiers. And it seems to me very, it seems to me that this is a expression of Psalm 27 verse two. Um, you know, when my, when the wicked uh, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled. Stumbled and fell. Um, and all through the gospel accounts, I mean, this is true of John, it's through all the other three as well. It's made very clear that the reason Jesus goes to his death is not because he's too weak to fight. He doesn't, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's too um, uh, sort of powerless. It's very clear that he has, you know, he says, doesn't he, I could call up armies of angels to, yeah. to, to rescue me. You know, he has, he has no reason to fear in that sense of being overpowered. Um, but yet he, and yet he does. He 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 goes with him. The, the, the same soldiers that fall at his feet at the use of the divine name are the same ones that bound bound him and arrest him and take him off to be ultimately to be to be crucified. Good point. Um, and you you mentioned you so you highlighted the the devour my flesh um, kind of uh, language. And yeah, you know, I sort of thought that's an, actually yeah, you know, that's an interesting phrase. And in in the Greek translation of the of the Old Testament, the Septuagint. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's again, it's the same, same phrase, eat my flesh. Um, and as where, where else do you get that phrase? And there's a few other places. There's, there's, um, talk in revelation at the end of time when the wicked's flesh are those that eat eaten and so on. But probably, you know, if you had to say, where is the, where does the Bible talk about eating someone's flesh? Um, you think about John six. And John 6 is this long discourse after Jesus fed the 5,000, he's provided bread to the 5,000. And he has this, um, you know, this this phrase, I'll just, let me let me turn it up mm. to make sure I get it right, because I think it's, uh, it's significant. Um, he, he says, um, uh, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Um, and so Jesus, uh, you know, there's all sorts of debates exactly how that relates to say the Lord's Supper and, and, and so on. But it's interesting when it's, when it's talking about the Lord's Supper in, in the, in, you know, in the, in the, the last supper, Jesus talks about his body. Yeah. Whereas in John six, he talks about flesh. It's, it's this different word. It's, it's, it's sarcos. Um, and, um, you know, it seems to me that there, there's something going on here that, 
you know, why is it that we are able to be so fearless? Why is it that we who really don't deserve to be accepted are able to have such confidence that we will be accepted and received into this place of infinite beauty and magnificence? Well, it's the because the one who really had no reason to fear gave his flesh up to be consumed. He gave up his flesh so that we could receive him uh, into ourselves, that we could consume him and therefore not have to be consumed ourselves. He gave himself up for us so that we would never have to, uh, we would never be forsaken. We, we, he, he was broken so that we didn't need to be broken. And therefore we can say, you know, even when my mother and father forsake me, I will be received because Jesus decided at that moment in the garden and, and all through the process that he would go into that place of fear, go into that place of rejection uh, in our place so that we would never we would never have to. And it's because of that that we can sing Psalm 27. We can say all these things without that dreadful kind of thought of, well, who are you to be saying this? Who are you to be to be so confident? Who are you to think that you can just stride into the presence of the Lord? Well, I can because I've I've received the the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've I've taken taken Him uh, into myself. I've united myself with Him so that um, uh, so that His His experience of 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 death and destruction on the cross um, stands in for the one that I deserved. And therefore, I don't need to fear it anymore. I, I'm, I now have a future of light and life of beholding infinite beauty. Yes, you make me think that I, I ought to, I haven't taken communion recently. Maybe I, maybe I need to do that. But do you, do you think that, that another reason for this, um, you know, eat my flesh thing, it's a kind of an inversion or a, a, a sort of, a, a parallel good version of the evil that we are constantly being shown in the Old Testament. Whenever the children of Israel fall away from God, they're always putting their children in the fire. They're always sacrificing mm. their, their their children. It's it, it and and it's clear that 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 was what Isaac and Abraham was about. It was about the, the rejection of this child sacrifice and cannibalism. And anything in that, do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, I think Psalm uh, uh, Genesis twenty-two is, um, you, you know, there's this. We we all have a we all have a sense, you know, that that human life somehow is forfeit. You know, when you look around the world, you sort of have this sense of, I mean, you know, you do sort of think, yeah, the world, the world. We were talking about it earlier, and in a sense, in some sense, the world would be a better place if we weren't here. You know, all the bloodshed and the evil would be, you know, there would be something. There is something that needs to be kind of cleansed about about us. And I think Genesis twenty two is saying, you know, as you say, that's not going to happen through dreadful, you know, child uh, immolation or, or whatever. It's going to happen through, you know, the real Son of God, the true Son of God coming and offering himself in our place. And, you know, he goes to the cross, not as a victim. You know, I think this is the, one of the misunderstandings we sometimes have about the cross is that he goes to the cross, not as a victim, but as a, as a, as a victorious, um, you know, general who's winning his battle, 
because as he goes to the cross, he's disarming all the evil demonic forces who who have this hold over us through our guilt and through our through our shame. And he's saying, I'm I'm taking all that away from you. And the moment that the devil thinks that he has his man, you know, oh, he's, 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 I've got him. He's on the cross. It's yeah. actually the moment of his um, cosmic uh, defeat. And so, yeah, there's a, you know, the, the it, you know, it's not that the, the pagan sacrifices took sin too seriously, took God too seriously. It's that they, it's that they were, they were not uh, waiting on, on, the Lord's the Lord's sacrifice and therefore subverting it in in a kind of evil an evil parody of what was going to one day come and you know I think oh sorry it's got a got a phone call there um you know I think that's the you know, that's the the cross is such a uh, you know it would be Christianity would be so much more palatable if it wasn't for the cross because it's it is this and you see this in John six when he says you know eat my flesh, drink my blood. The, the, the crowds are like, what are you talking about? That's sick. That's disgusting. I don't want anything more to do with this guy. And to sort of, to say, well, actually, you need a human being to, to die in your place. Oh, that's gross. And yet it does kind of echo with a sense of, of shame and guilt that we all do feel. And it is... And and it is the way that God has provided that we can have this this um, entrance, this acceptance. But it's not the sacrifice of a, of an unwilling victim. That's the key thing. It's not the sacrifice of one who who goes against his will, but the one who says, you know, I'm going to do this. I've got the power to to, to step out at any stage, but I'm going to do this uh, for the sake of my people, for the sake of uh, of the ones that I love. And I'm going to receive my body back from the Lord, restored, renewed, resurrected. I'm 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 putting my faith in my Father to do that for me. I I was just thinking when you were talking about uh, how Jesus made the the Romans fall over, and and there's there's so much you know the, he chose ultimately to, the, he he only got crucified because he let them crucify yes. him. He could easily have stopped at any moment. He is quite sparing with his superpowers, isn't he? I mean, the, I, I'm thinking of the calming of the storm and walking on water. But I mean, he could he could have done a lot cooler stuff than that. Yeah, and and that's because He's quite minimalist. The, the you know the coolest thing he does is die in our place. The cool had 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 the the, the incarnation about just been a de demonstration of power. Yeah, he wouldn't have needed to become human being. A human being, God could demonstrate his power you know, without becoming, becoming human, he needed to become human in order to suffer and die. He needed to become human in order to off to the bed place. Oh, dog, <laughs> bad um, dog. So, so the whole, the whole, the whole purpose of the incarnation is yes, we need to know that this man is true God. We need to know this is God come in the flesh as our savior. But the purpose of the incarnation is not to kind of give a kind of pyrotechnic display of divine power. It's to it's to deal with that guilt and that shame that otherwise would, would mean that we couldn't access this place of beauty and, and joy and delight that David talks about uh, in verse four. Well, um, Graham, you've been fantastic.
thank you for that exegesis, if that's the right word, on on Psalm 27. And um, it's, uh, it's been a real joy. Yeah, and I, I sort of, I, I, I wish you all the best with your 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 lecturing on thank you on, on this stuff. Have you got what? What is your special? I bet you've got got some really arcane PhD. Go on, tell me what it was. It was on it was on the doctrine of the Trinity and the relationship between the Father and the Son in eternity and how how theologians have understood that. Well, that's a whole other podcast, isn't it? I'm I'm mystified by the Trinity. Well, think, yeah. as, as most Christians are, surely it is a mystery. It's beyond human comprehension. That was that was one thing I discovered in my. And does it does the Trinity actually get mentioned in in the Gospels, or is this a kind of kind of afterthought by the by the? Well, that's what some people claim is that it is a kind of imposition of of foreign thinking. But I think when you think about the way the Gospels describe Jesus. Uh, John's gospel being kind of classic, you know, the word was God, the word was with God. Um, he was with God in the beginning, the way in which Jesus describes his relationship with the father. Um, he's, he's not, he's, he's come from heaven. He's come from above. He's not, his, his story does not begin with, um, his, his conception with his human, the beginning of his human life, but has, has a kind of an eternal history to it and so on we think about the baptismal formula baptizing them in the name of the father son and, and holy spirit in, in matthew 28 um i'm i'm happy that the trinity is in the scriptures but it's not it's kind of it's it's not um distilled down for us in the way that that you know later theologians have, have kind of put put the pieces together yes i have to say it's one of those areas of christianity where i i, I try not to spend too much time thinking about it because it sort of does your head in and yeah it's 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 i mean i you know obviously i spent time i spent three years kind of uh studying it so so i think we you know there's an element you need to you need to someone needs to do that sort of stuff but you know christianity is life lived kind of through and in the trinity more than you know it's it's like you know lewis has that the kind of discussion of you know you, when you pray you notice that you're kind of you're praying to someone you're praying with someone and you're praying kind of you know with there's someone sort of helping you to pray as well that, that all of the christian life is done kind of in and with and through the trinity and you don't have to have oh i've got all the the doctrine nailed down and i can explain it all it's it's more about living living that life through the Lord Jesus in following Him, waiting upon Him, and and so on. Than it is about you know d joining all the all the dots. Well, okay. So given given you're you're here, and you can you can now I know your area of expertise. When I when I say my prayers, for example, can I if I if I pray to God? Yeah. Jesus is included in that, right? I'm not. Yeah. I'm not leaving him out. And and, and likewise, when I pray to Jesus, I, I, I can use them interchangeably because I, I notice that that some, particularly evangelical Christians, are very very keen on the use of the word Jesus. They're very very keen that one should, you know, and and obviously I think Jesus is great and all that. But but I I, I for, for for me it's not so essential as it is I think for many evangelical Christians. Is is that is that a fair comment? Um. Uh, I, I I mean you know I think practice sort of language you know linguistic forms vary from sort of subculture to subculture and so on yeah. 
generally, um, you know, the the kind of I'm trying to think, you know, to uh, in and with would be the kind of the the traditional kind of formulation. So to the Father, in the Son, through the Holy Spirit. So, but but that's not the whole point of the the doctrine of the Trinity is that the Father, Son, and Spirit are one God. There's not three. Yeah. Not, it's not a, it's not a kind of three part team. It's it's yes. God, and so, and and God, um, all three are the creator of the the universe the creator right. of us they all they are that they all are that infinite beauty that infinite goodness that we were talking about it's not yeah. that they kind of well they're only good when all three are in the room or they're only good that you know one's better than the other yeah or, or jesus does some things and god does some things and the <laughs> yeah exactly but there is a sense and again this is a kind of mystery there's a sense in which it's the son that becomes human and not the yeah. father the spirit it's the son that dies on the cross in his humanity um and so there's a sense in which the son has kind of um you know we are through the gospel paul talks about you know our adoption adoption to sonship you know that we kind of almost come in and, and take stand in the place of the son in the life of the trinity not not that we become infinite and eternal but there's some we that 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 through the gospel the lord communicates um his sonship to us his eternal sonship is communicated to us so that we become kind of again lewis talks about this in mere christianity we become kind of little christs we become little little sons human finite sons um individually and and corporately um as the church and so and and hence why just relate this back to psalm 27 you know hence why you can say you know, even when my mother and father forsake me the lord will take me in because now god is my heavenly father god yeah. is, is the, the the one who who is the infinite perfect father um so there's a sense in which we've kind of we've been united with the son in his humanity we've we've eaten his flesh and drunk his blood we've we've become kind of part of him in a in a in a in a kind of profound sense and yet in doing so because he is one with the father and the spirit we're united with them as well the jesus talks about the father and the son making um that they're dwelling within us and and you know if you've seen me you've seen the father so it's not that the kind of father's a bit further off and oh jesus is really friendly but the father's kind of a bit cross or anything like that it's it's that um uh you, you know through the son taking on flesh he unites himself to us and thereby unites us to to the godhead to to the the father son and spirit uh in in eternity um Thank you. I, I was. I really enjoyed that, Graham. Um, thank, and, and I, I, was, I'm, I really did like I could ask you that question at the end. <laughs> it's it's what I call the. It, you know, it's like meeting a. What I used to do in the old days when I met a doctor at a party, and I say, "Doctor, I've got this embarrassing spot." Which um, <laughs> and you can answer my theological embarrassing spot questions. Um, <laughs> where can people find you, Graham, if at all, if you want them to find you? Well, you know, I'm on I'm on Twitter, um, though I don't. I, I, well, X is is now. Um, I don't post X, on there which is which is evil, by the way, isn't it? <laughs> well, it, you know, it's a it's it an interesting name change, isn't it? Um, 
I, I don't post on there very often, but uh, you know, I would have thought a Google, a Google or two, will probably lead people to uh, to, to finding me in one way or it's, another. Yeah, they don't have to find you. It's, it's only if, if you had any books to plug or anything. And, 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 anything to plug at the moment. That's good. If I do, I'll let you know. I'll let okay. you know. Um, by the way, I, I, I do hope you've enjoyed watching this podcast, everyone. I, I've, I've had some amazing responses. There was this man in Uganda who who wrote me a letter I, I i unfortunately i couldn't i couldn't reply to it because i didn't it was it was one of those I, there are so many different forms where people can reply to you and i couldn't open the thing properly so um pastor in uganda i'll just sort of say i did get your message and i really appreciate it and i've had i've had letters from america and i've also had i've had emails from from people say i'm not a christian but I really found your pod, your, your Psalm podcast. Uh, I, I love your Psalms podcast. So this is not just for Christians. This is for everyone, whether they're non-Christians, sort of people halfway to, uh, on the way to becoming Christians or full Christians. But what I would ask, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please, please share it. Tell your tell your friends about it, because I, I don't know why it is that, that God made me particularly drawn to the Psalms and, and but it, but it was very, very clear to me that he wanted me to do a series about the Psalms. And I put it off for a long time and I've really enjoyed doing it. And, and I, 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 I can't recommend the book of Psalms highly enough. And I'm, I'm going to be talking to all sorts of interesting people like Graham about this. Um, and so if you've enjoyed it, please, number one, share it. And, and also I would really appreciate your support. I know some of you are really generous already, and I, I would like this is my this is my living. If you want to support me doing what I do, then then really I need you to stump up. Uh, you can you can support me on on Substack. I, sub, a lot of I've been getting a lot, lot of um lot of people signing up to Substack recently. I think it's a good place. There's locals and Patreon and subscribe star as well, but I think Substack is is probably the one. You can also buy me a coffee, if 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 you want. Um and uh. Yeah, thank you for being a great audience. Thank you again, Graham Shearer. Um, thank you, David, and uh, others for writing the Book of Psalms. And thank you, God, for giving me this, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, for giving me this mission. I love telling all tongues. Subscribe to the podcast, baby. I love telling all. I listen all the time. Subscribe with me. Subscribe with me.